Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's good to see all of you here. And it was a blessing to be a part of the service so far. Thought I might just make a comment. Brother Dave and his family, before I go into the message... Hebrews 11, verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. There's a lot that could be said of that verse, but one of the things we want to highlight on just a moment is the fact that it was faith. It was a venture of faith that uh, caused Moses' parents to go directly against the king's commandment and hide their son. And without a doubt, parenting is a venture of faith and parenting someone else's child is doubly a venture of faith. It's a kind of situation where you know when you go into it that you just you don't you don't know you have no idea quite how you know how long how quickly will it end how uh, yeah just so many uncertainties. And so it is a faith venture. And it also says here that they were not afraid of the king's commandment. And there are a lot of obstacles in in trying to rear a child outside of your own. But I think, again, fear shouldn't be that which controls us. We could fear many things, but I think we should uh, choose not to fear. And go forward in faith, trusting God. And uh, believing that uh, God will give the grace and the strength to uh, deal with the realities that come when they come. And those those realities became suddenly very real. But the last chapter is not written yet. And we don't know what the last chapter is, and we may never know. But I am persuaded that God could do marvelous things through Riley yet. I am persuaded that he could. I am not saying that he will. Because people are people, and God is God, and God has left people to uh, their decisions and so forth. But uh, Riley has some things planted in his heart that he will probably never forget. I'm going to suggest probably will never forget some of the things that have been planted in his heart. And those things may come to bear fruit in a time when uh, we may not even be there to witness it. But uh, one never knows. I don't think Moses' parents had any idea what Moses would do. And uh, so we do leave those things to God. It is a venture of faith. And uh, yeah, I think we can, and you, Brother Dave, and Sister Jean, and Anita, who poured your lives into the little fella, you can give it to God as something that you have contributed what you could in the time that you were able. And. Uh, Trust God that you've completed, perhaps, you've completed the, uh, the assignment that God had for you in this young man's life. <clears throat> and let us as a church continue to pray for Riley in the years to come, days and years, that uh, God would somehow use this young man 
maybe even to bring his very family that was described here this morning to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came for those folks that David, uh, Brother Dave described here this morning. Those broken relationships, those broken homes, those battered and bruised lives, Jesus came for them. He died for them. His message of uh, hope is for them. The power of a transformed life is for them. And uh, we don't know what God will do. Well, we'll move on here. You can turn again in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. We'll begin today in verse, I believe I'll pick up reading in verse 21, and I'll actually read to the end of the chapter. Uh, This is a a text that is often referred to at weddings and uh, in marriage relationships. Today we're going to take this text and look at it, uh, focus on Christ and how Christ is uh, depicted in this text and so as we read it you can consider that Ephesians 5 beginning in verse 21 submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might, cleanse, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning, concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. <clears throat> if we're able, could we stand together for prayer? <clears throat> Father, we are grateful this moment again to have the privilege to be here in the place of worship. Father, thank you that you are here with us. We acknowledge our need of you. Today, Father, we again open our hearts to be instructed by your word and by your spirit, Lord. I pray today... And ask that you would take these scriptures that we've read, that you would open them to our hearts as uh, believers or unbelievers, whether we've made our calling an election sure or whether we have resisted the call of God in our lives. I pray that these scriptures today would speak into our hearts, would Continue to stimulate faith and courage and purpose. Father, I pray that that you would anoint me for this ministry, Lord, to be able to open these scriptures, to be able to speak your words as you would desire to have them spoken. Father, that my own... Uh, heart and mind wouldn't hinder your spirit, but that your spirit would speak through me to make known the wonderful mysteries of our Lord Jesus. 
Father, today may we again rebel in Christ, our Savior. May we again be refreshed. May we be encouraged. May we be challenged, Lord. Father, meet our needs in whatever aspect and level we find ourselves in need. God, I pray, just pour out a blessing upon this place and upon your people and build us up and equip us for the journey ahead. Father, we just commit this time to you again. May your spirit be our teacher, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, well, this scripture, we do see, we see some uh, wonderful things in this scripture regarding the relationship of Christ and his people, and I hope that uh, we can uh, open those things up a bit here today. I've titled the, the message, Christ's Relationship to Us, um, I don't know if it quite depicts what I'm uh, hoping to get across or not, but uh, at least makes an effort at it. You know, the comment was made here uh, about one of the songs that we sang. I'm trying to remember exactly how it was given, but uh, how uh, Christ is our, uh, I forget the word that was used, but we we glory in him, and uh, the comment was made that uh, he glories in us. He uh, we are his uh, special people. Uh, not the exact wording, but uh, that's that's part of what this scripture shows us. Uh, you know, uh, we are the people, the believer, the church is special to Christ. And if there's any scripture that uh, depicts it, this one does. So by the grace of God, we want to to try to do that, to to, uh, open that up here a bit today. And how Christ, uh, in his relationship to us, how he views us, how he uh, cares for us, and so forth. So, we're going to begin in uh, verse 23, where it says that... uh, Christ, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And we'd like to just look at that a bit. Christ is the head of the church. He uses some very uh, simple illustrations here to help us understand. We all know what a head is because we all have one, right? So we know what a head is. Uh, And we know what our head does. You know, there's a, it's kind of the, for the most part, our head is kind of the central station. It's kind of the brain, uh, yeah, it's the brain of the whole thing. It's where, where, uh, you know, things happen. And, and the rest of the body is, in general, is just responding to what's going on up here. And so... I uh, think we would all agree that when it uses the head to depict Christ in his position or his place in, in, in regarding his people and his church, it's using the right illustration. Uh, he is the head. He is the, he is the, the brain behind it all. He is the, um, he is the uh, c- uh, control tower. He's, uh, he's the one where all the activity is. And we as the body are just responding to it all. And uh, we, uh, you know, we can, you know, in our natural body, there's actually, uh, we can actually live without a lot of our members. You know, you can chop off a finger and uh, have a brother that's missing a finger. Uh, he's, he's living, a, he's lived a normal life. Uh, that hasn't hindered him a bit. So, so, you know, some people lose a leg or, or uh, you know, an arm or many things. People uh, uh, lose, uh, or, you know, are born, born without them or lose them in accidents or whatever, but you can get along. You know, they take parts out of your insides. I, Sister Dars is missing a few from 
some years ago and accident injuries and all those kind of things. But, you know, you can live a normal life without a lot of things. A lot of your uh, members. Some of your members. But, you take the head off. It's not really a laughing matter. But, you're done. You're done. And that's, you know, that's the picture that we have here. Christ is the head of the church. Um, he's the head of his people. You know, we are, we find ourselves as part of his body, but he's our head. And uh, just a, a few other scriptures that uh, give us uh, maybe just a little uh, more definition to that. One of them is in, Col- actually both are in Colossians. Colossians 1 verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So he is the head of the body, the church, as we've been saying in verse, uh, chapter 2 verse 19, says, and, and this is, yeah, it's a reference to us, not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. And there we have uh, the uh, the exhortation given there that uh, of not holding to the head. In other words, not uh, giving Christ that place in our uh, lives as a church body. Not holding to the head, not giving Him that uh, rightful place. So one of the uh, one of the uh, things about Christ and His relationship to us, whether it's individually or whether it's uh, you know corporately as a body, I realize this scripture does give it a lot in the corporate sense, you know, the church. But He's our head. He's uh, you know it's the church isn't about us. You know, it's not about uh, our interests. It's not about our organization and what we are doing. It's not about what we can accomplish. The church is about Christ. It's about His purposes. It's about His plan. It's about uh, what He wants to accomplish in the earth. Uh, and so, uh, He is at the head. And we find ourselves, you know, down here. The limbs. And... Uh, and that's the way we want to find ourselves. He's, uh, he's the control tower. He's the one who has the plan. He has the idea. He has the, the purpose. And we simply want to follow Him. Simply want to uh, give Him that place and, and live in, uh, in respect of, of that. The second uh, point we'd like to notice in this same verse yet in verse 23 of Ephesians 5 tells us that he is the savior of the body. Maybe we could look at 2 Timothy and get a better uh, description of that. 2 Timothy verse uh, chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. He's the Savior. Christ is our Savior. Paul, uh, writing to Timothy here, says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. <clears throat> and so Christ is our Savior. He, uh, he has saved us, as it says here. And... Uh, notice the, uh, the comment there. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, that's an interesting verse. Uh, but 
is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You know, the plan uh, to, for him to be the Savior was in place from all the way into eternity past. And, uh, you know, God had promised that, that Savior. But there came the day when he was made manifest, as this scripture says. He came. He lived on the earth. He, uh, you know, he lived his 30 and some years. He was crucified for us. He, uh, and like this says, he, uh, he hath abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so he saved us. He has, uh, uh, brought us, he, he, through his death and resurrection, he dealt with the, uh, the, the sin in our lives and the death that was upon us, you know, that, uh, that darkness that was upon us. Uh, we talked about the, uh, the welding helmet the other week, that darkness that was upon us. He dealt with that. He forgave us of our sins and he brought life into our experience. Life and light. We who were, we who were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, he came to save. Uh, is it uh, Romans tells us that death had passed upon all men, for all have sinned, and He came as a Savior to rescue us. He rescued us out of our situation of darkness and sin. He rescued the human race out of their darkness. And as... Uh, the scripture tells us that whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. He came to save, seeking to save that which was lost. He is our Savior. And we needed one, didn't we? And like Brother Dave described this morning, human beings need a Savior. And many of them probably don't realize what they need and many of them probably uh, don't realize that there is hope but uh, and of course the, the reason and the urgency to, to give the message of Christ <clears throat> so Christ is our savior third point we like to consider and this one is personal Christ loves you we find this in verse 25. The, the scriptures, the exhortation is given here. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ loves you. We are, we are told that he loves us. In Ephesians 5, 2, just back one page, it says, scripture tells us, and, uh, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and hath given himself for us. Christ loves us. Back just a few more pages in Galatians 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave him, who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, Paul's testimony there that, uh, Christ, the Son of God, loved him. Is that our testimony? That Christ, the Son of God, loves me. That he gave himself for me. That's the message that uh, we have here in the word of God. He loves you. He saw your problem, our problem, my problem. He realized that he had or was the solution to the problem. And so he gave himself for your problem. To save you. To deliver you. 
Jesus tells us in John 15, verse 13, that greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus laid down his life when we were still in sin and lost in darkness. You know, as a result of sin and its effects on humans, people face many difficult and hurtful situations. You know, that's life. You know, life uh, throws things our way that are, uh, you know, very difficult at times. And, and again, as was described in our world, you know, people, people are uh, professionals at hurting each other, you know, being unfaithful to each other, uh, getting angry at each other, killing each other, hurting each other. You know, the story the, the, the just goes on and on. Um, that's that's uh, that's the world we live in, and uh, many people find themselves in a sense, and I I hate to even use this word, but I will use it and clarify it, but they find themselves the victims of circumstances that are beyond their control. And that happens. Happens all the time. Now, I will say this. You'll never get anywhere in life claiming the position of a victim. If you want to come to a dead halt in your life, just do that. Just consider yourself a victim. I'm a victim of circumstances. I'm a victim of bad parenting. I'm a victim of uh, somebody else's sin. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a, I'm a victim. My dad did this to me. My mom did this to me. My brother did this to me. My neighbor did this. If you want to stop dead in your tracks and be a flop in life, then take that position. And you'll have many friends who are doing the same. So I clarify it when I say it. And yet, life throws out, uh, you know, a victim is when something comes your way, you had absolutely no control over it, and yet you have to bear the brunt of it. And you are the victim. You know, if, uh, if um, well, I know, I forget the name of the, of the individual or the person, but year, uh, some years ago, some missionaries in another country uh, were apprehended in the middle of the night, and the dad was shot, and you know, the rest of the family had to deal with that. They were the victims of the situation. So life, you know, parents leave, parents divorce, and, and children are the victims of the situation. Uh, life is just full of those kind of things. Very hurtful. Very hurtful. Very difficult. But Christ's love meets us right there. Christ loved us. It doesn't matter what circumstances we were victims of. Christ's love meets us right there with all those varied circumstances and wants to take us from there. No matter how difficult, how ugly, how painful that uh, those things may have been. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. His love meets us right where we find ourselves. No matter how difficult. He loves us. He cares for us. And He gave Himself for that very reason. Because he knew we would be the victims of many circumstances. He knew we would experience many difficulties. Some of our own making and some not. Some of, uh, and and uh, he knew we were the slaves of sin. And what the results of all that would be. As men are given to sin. And many people are hurt by men's sins. And women's sins. <clears throat> Christ loves you. We cannot change the past, but Christ love, loved us so that our future might be changed. We cannot change the past, but Christ's love 
in us can change our future. So Christ loves you. Never lose sight of that. Never forget it. He loves every one of us. Loves us deeply. Loves us so much that he was willing to give his own life to redeem us and to save us. What was his objective in giving himself? Let's uh, go on to the next point. What was his objective? Ephesians 5 verse 26 says here, and I'll read verse 25, and again in the context, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And we'll just stop there, take it a piece at a time. What was his objective in giving himself? That he might sanctify and cleanse it. He knew... uh, He knew we were dirty. He knew we were sin-stained. He knew we had made a mess of life. He knew human, you know, the human race had uh, really, really did mess things up. He knew that. But he realized that uh, he knew that if he would give himself, give his life, give his blood, he could sanctify and cleanse us. Amen? He could make us new creatures. And so, he gave himself that he, one of his, his objective was that he might sanctify and cleanse us. Titus 2 verse 14 says this, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. States it very well. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. That's Galatians 1.4. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. You know, that is... uh, I don't know how you find those verses, but those verses are encouraging to me. That he gave himself that he might deliver us. He, he knew we needed deliverance. He knew our plight. And he, uh, he, came, he came and gave himself with a specific intent to deliver us from this present evil world. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. <clears throat> Just a few pages over to Colossians 1 again. Verse 13 and 14 says this, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know, there's uh, a number of words to consider in that verse, in those few verses. Uh, One of them obviously is uh, the forgiveness of sins, which we needed. And still need as we go through life. First uh, John tells us that if any, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, He, uh, uh, I should turn to that. It says uh, these things are written that we sin not, but. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's uh, the next uh, chapter, I believe. So, uh, the forgiveness of sins. You know, what would we do without it? What would we do if we wouldn't have the blessing of the forgiveness of sins? Uh, In whom we have redemption through His blood, being, you know, delivered out of our situation. He hath translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom, or from the power of darkness, into the kingdom of His dear Son. Uh, Yeah, powerful words, just taking us from one kingdom to another, from one camp to another. Christ's objective in uh, sanctifying and cleansing to Himself a people. 
You know, we had a debt we could not pay. And as a, I guess it's a song or a poem, he paid a debt he didn't owe. You know, in a sense, it's Black Friday for us. You know, Black Friday is when you get out of debt. Or the merchants get out of debt because everybody else goes in debt, you know. <laughs> uh, he paid a debt he didn't owe. We were in debt. We had a debt of sin. <clears throat> and so he, he paid that debt. He redeemed us. He delivered us out of our situation. And then begins his sanctifying and cleansing process. Where we are transformed, as Romans says, by the renewing of our minds. You know, uh, his objective was and is to purify unto himself a, the scripture says, peculiar people. But the way we use that word today, peculiar, is, uh, is not quite the way uh, the Bible uses it. It actually is a special people. You know, when we say someone's peculiar, we tend to use it today as, well, it's a bit odd, you know, kind of thing. But that's not the way the scripture uses it. It's uh, it's a special people, a people for himself. So he's cleansing, sanctifying and cleansing a people for himself. And, you know, bless God for the uh, the work of the new birth, the salvation of our souls, you know, being translated from one kingdom to another, uh, being made a new man, having a new beginning in life. Uh, that's all very real and powerful, and but you know it's not uh, the end of the story. Uh, it's not like we get born again and live happily ever after. There's uh, the continuing work that uh, of sanctifying and cleansing that God does in our lives, and we should maybe raise the question and ask, how does He do that? How is that objective fulfilled? He He talks about his objective in sanctifying and cleansing us. How is that objective fulfilled? In this particular scripture here in Ephesians, it says that he might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, with the washing of water by the word. And uh, I get a picture there of something that is kind of an ongoing process that uh, takes place in our lives. A sanctifying and a cleansing I think you all know the answer to that. How is that objective fulfilled? Jesus said in John 15, verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Uh, As it says uh, in verse 26, With the washing of water by the word. The word has a washing effect, a sanctifying effect on us. In John 17, verse 17, Jesus in his prayer says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So there the word again is depicted as that which works a sanctification in our lives. Psalm 119 verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Uh, just comes back to the word again and again. John 6.63. In this it, uh, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. We talk about the word. And, and, uh, you know, there are actually people who know a lot of Scripture, but don't know the author of Scripture. And that can happen. And uh, so, one of the things that we want to beware of is that we don't come to the Word of God as a uh, uh, a dead letter, uh, as such, a uh, a uh, a book of words, a book of laws, a book of instructions, a uh, a uh, a um, what's the word? A an, a straighten out my life manual. I I don't quite like that term. It's not quite what I'm looking for. But the idea of uh, of uh, just, uh, you know, a bunch of information. You know, uh, it's, it's far more than just a bunch of information. As Jesus said, the, uh, 
the it is the spirit that quickeneth. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know, we can get a lot of information from the Bible, but if it's if it's uh, if it's not if it's not something that we receive in faith, um, we can receive it just as dead information. Put it that way. Uh, but it's not dead information. It's that's not what's going to change our life. That's not what's going to sanctify us. It's when the word becomes spirit and life is when it's going to sanctify us the way God intended it to. It's not just giving us information. It's a living word that inspires faith and hope and grace in the heart of the believer. It inspires faith where there would be much reason for faithlessness. It inspires courage where there would be much reason to be discouraged. And it inspires strength where we would otherwise be strengthless. That's the Word of God. It's a living Word. It's not just words on a page. But it's the, it's the God-breathed, inspired Word of God. And when we read it with a heart of faith and uh, trust in the living God, it becomes a living Word to us, sanctifying us and cleansing us as we read it and uh, study it. For that reason, we should read it and study it. We should memorize it and listen to it on our way to work or as we clean the house or whatever we find ourselves doing. Ephesians 6.14 tells us to stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. What did Jesus say is uh, truth? Thy word is truth. So if we're going to have our loins girt about with truth, we're going to have our loins girt about with the word of God. Jesus also said in John 8.32, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And this, uh, you know, beholding in a gla- as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. Where do we behold the glory of the Lord? Many times it's in the Word of God. As we read it, as we study it, as we, uh, we, uh, you know, we see God's work, God at work in the Scriptures, we see how He worked in other people's lives. You know, just for example, uh, Hebrews 11, the, the uh, various uh, uh, comments of faith that are written there. And, uh, you know, as we read that, and we face a difficult situation, it inspires faith in our hearts. And we are changed. Right? You know, maybe we're wrestling with doubt and uncertainty, and we read something in the Scriptures uh, regarding faith, and it, it sparks faith in us, and we're changed. Our heart is changed in its disposition. Changed from glory to glory. Uh, that's what the Scriptures intended to do. Sanctified. And washed by the washing of water of the word. That was Christ's purpose. His objective. To work it out in our lives. And I think that's why we meet week by week. That's why we uh, maybe gather with our families for devotional times. That's why we maybe get up a little earlier than necessary to have breakfast and get off to work so that we can spend a little time in the Word of God so that it might continue its sanctifying and cleansing effect on us. I trust that's why you do it. If you do it. If you get up. If you uh, take the time for those things to get your heart inspired and encouraged in the Lord. So, we have Christ here. 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word, we might ask the question, what is the culmination of all of that? Which is presented in the next verse. His, uh, he gave himself for us, he, uh, that he might redeem us, that he might uh, cleanse us, and uh, that he might sanctify us. And then verse 27, that he might pres- that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That is the culmination of this objective, and that hasn't happened yet, I don't believe. Have you been presented in the heavenly realm? Maybe you have in a spiritual sense, but there's more coming. To be presented... Some scriptures uh, give it in the sense of Christ presenting us to God. We have that in uh, Colossians here, I believe, verse one or chapter one, verse twenty-two. It says, "In the body of His flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight." If you continue in the faith, it's, it goes on to say there, uh, in Jude, verse twenty-four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Uh, you know, that, that, uh, there's nothing begrudging in that verse. You know, there's nothing begrudging in Christ to present, you know, us to the Father or the, or the, or the, or, or vice versa, the Father presenting us to the Son, however it all takes place there. But uh, to be to be presented uh, faultless in the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. <clears throat> Let's turn to First Thessalonians five twenty three for an interesting uh, verse. Scripture says in verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians 5, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the... Uh, I, 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 I appreciate the, the uh, three parts that are mentioned there. Your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and and just uh, maybe just follow that with second peter 3 verse 14 wherefore beloved seeing that you look for such things be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless uh these verses all you know kind of zero in on on the uh the end time when the church is presented to Christ, you know, the, uh, uh, and we're, uh, we're, uh, encouraged by Peter to be diligent that we can be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And in, 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 uh, Thessalonians, uh, it says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate the fact that, uh, you, you know, he mentions all three parts there of our, our, our makeup, our being. There was a time in, uh, when people separated the spirit and the body and, and, uh, you know, and probably still happens today where people believe that, well, you can be sanctified in your spirit, but in your body you continue to sin. And those kind of beliefs are, uh, Probably fairly common, but this scripture doesn't give it that way. Sanctify you, your whole spirit, soul, and body. And the the reality is that we are so interconnected that you can't sanctify the one without sanctifying them all, can you? You know, you can't sanctify the spirit of a man without it affecting his body. It it just won't happen. And so true salvation is going to affect every part of a man and change him all uh, throughout.
And, of course, the, uh, the culmination of all of that is that Christ will then present us to himself as a glorious church, as a beautiful bride. Uh, I don't know if you have difficulty thinking in those terms or not. I've never been a beautiful bride, so I can't uh, comprehend quite. But we'll be his beautiful bride. I know what it is to delight in a beautiful bride. Um, so maybe I can identify with Christ a little. But that's his, uh, uh, his, the culmination of his objective. He gave his life that uh, he could present to himself a glorious church, as it says it here. A beautiful bride a sanctified one, a pure one, uh, one that isn't wrinkled or, uh, yeah. And we recognize, you know, we at times maybe wrestle in our own hearts with uh, some of the continued battles that we face as believers, feeling like, you know, well, I'm not spotless. You know, I faced this battle last week, or I wrestled in, 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 maybe I even had a failure in my life. You know, we wrestle with those kind of things. Well, the Lord left us in this world to, uh, as it says there in his prayer, he prayed not that he would take us out of the world, but that he would keep us from the evil. And it is the Lord who keeps us. It is the Lord who, who uh, will work in us, and, uh, you know, it is... By His blood that we are sanctified and cleansed. And, and His blood is on the mercy seat. And it is through Him that we can be presented faultless. Uh, and by saying that, I, I, uh, I think when we take the context of Scripture, we understand well that it's not a, uh, a careless belief in Christ that gives us that opportunity. We, we realize that, you know, uh, the scripture, as we've even been seeing, it's, it speaks of uh, Christ working in us and changing us and making us a new creature, making us a new person and sanctifying us. And though maybe it's not always everything that we would wish it were, uh, and we're not experiencing everything that we would wish we could be, perhaps, or all those kind of things. Uh, As he says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have one who represents us. We have one whose blood is there for us. And so, when we wrestle with those kind of things, may our hearts be encouraged that uh, we are, uh, we're, uh, we're a saint in the making. We're a saint in the making. <clears throat> and he's... Uh, and this life and this, uh, the journey is not without battles. The journey is not without warfare. But we're, uh, we'll uh, someday, if we, uh, as Colossians does it, where it says, uh, if we continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, Yes, verse 23, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. And uh, that's, that's our hope. That's our confidence in Christ and the message of Christ and His work in our lives. <clears throat> All right. Moving on here, I'd like to consider just a bit yet... Uh, Christ's deep care for you. It says here in uh, verse, uh, we've just finished up verse 27, how he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Notice that. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And brings us back again to the, uh, the picture of the body. 
You know, no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Uh, and it gives us uh, the picture, of course, of a wife being a part of us and that we're to love her just like we love ourselves and then gives the example of Christ as he loves his church, you know, because we are part of his body. Uh, he is the head. And, you know, the picture again is, you know, how we care for our body. You know, if you uh, smash your thumb or you uh, cut your foot or whatever, you don't just pay no attention to it and just, uh, you know, rebuke your foot and say, well, stop hurting your dumb foot. You, you, you don't need any attention. You know, you don't do those kind of things. You you do what you have to do to to get it back to health. And so that's the, the picture that we have of Christ. You know, he cherishes us just like we cherish our uh, the members of our body and take care of them. And uh, when they're hurt, we nurse them back to health and all those kind of things. How much more Christ, His body, His church, those who have uh, made their, cast their lot with Him. You know, to cherish, it says here, nourish, nourishing, uh, nourisheth and cherisheth, even as, as the Lord the church. The word nourish, of course, gives us the idea of... Uh, it actually gives us the idea of uh, uh, bringing up, you know. In other words, words uh, you nourish your children. You are you are bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You know, you're you're uh, rearing your children. That's the idea that we get from that word. You're, he nourishes you. He he uh, takes care of you. He brings you up. He uh, he grows you up. And the cherishing is uh, uh, more the idea of. Uh, uh, tender care, uh, love, uh, gentle kindness. Uh, the picture actually is that of a, uh, a a hen gathering her chicks under her wing, under her you know her brood, uh, cherishing. The Lord cherishes His church. It's like He gathers her under Him, uh, like a hen gathers her chicks, and that's you. That's you. You ever feel like you wonder if you, uh, uh, if God even notices you? Maybe, uh, maybe we ought to all get a, a brood hen and have a brood hen around our house with her chicks, so we all remember that God, you know, God takes care of us like that little little old hen takes care of her peeps. You know, everything is so commercialized in our day that we lose some of those real uh, pictures. Because, uh, you know, peeps are all hatched in these uh, automatic incubators and then they're sent to a big old houses where they're put in and they never even see the mom. And, and uh, we lose the pictures. But that's the picture that we have here. He nourisheth and cherishes us. He cares for us. We are part of Him. Just like your, you know, and it's really, it is that real. Just like this foot is in this, you know, hand, it's a part of me. And your foot, your hand, it's a part of you. You're a part of Christ. You are just as much a part of Christ as that hand is a part of you. Uh, think about it. You are part of Him. <clears throat> And he cares for you. That's the way this scripture gives it. For, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We are a part of him. And uh, he cares for us. <clears throat> Christ's relationship to us. You know, I think all of us probably at times, more or less, uh, We may at times wonder if we really matter to God. We may wonder if God really uh, does care about us or whether we are important to God or all those kind of things. But I'd like to encourage us today that uh, we are. You are a part of His body. He is your head. He cares about you. He loves you. He died to save you. Gave His life for you sanctifying you. 
And ultimately, he wants to present you. He will present you in his presence with exceeding joy. <clears throat> what a wonderful moment that will be. You know what? I wouldn't mind if it had happened about now. What a wonderful moment that will be. <clears throat> but until then, may we press on faithfully and uh, anticipate that moment. If we're able, let's kneel together for a moment of prayer. Our God, our Father, we do come to you again. Thank you, thank you for Christ. Thank you for his love. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that is sent to minister to us. And uh, thank you, Father, that today again we've been able to gather this way. Thank you for the governments who give us this freedom. And Lord, continue to bless and direct those in places of authority in this country. Grant us, Father, grace to... uh, serve you faithfully in this uh, land of plenty. Do not be drawn away by the many things this world has to offer, but to be ever uh, focused upon Christ. God, I pray, bless each one here today. Refresh our spirits in the Lord. Encourage our hearts, Lord, and uh, just grant us renewed faith and courage for the battles, for the journey. Lord, We realize life is not all battles, and we thank you for the times of refreshment, times of joy, times of purpose, for purposeful uh, blessings. We are grateful, realizing that you do give us uh, many, many uh, blessings that uh, are all from your hand, and we thank you. Now, Father, again, we just commit these few words to you, Lord. May you use them to bless and to encourage your people. We thank you. Again, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.